0: On today's episode, what do we cover, Tyler? A lot. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, I didn't give them any prompt. I just said we're recording. Jay, what did we cover today?
1: All right. So we're going to cover how to deepen relationships with your team and how that applies to literally every area of your life. Sweet. So what I got...
0: What I got is how no one else is coming to save you and the solution isn't to do it all of yourself. How to not drive your products or services into the grave. Don't create products or solutions just for yourself an easy way to make sure you always succeed with your products and how the dreams of becoming a professional baseball player and rock star led to entrepreneurship. We always have a choice to honor our show, follow your gut and win, ignore it and lose or the real secrets to make the team and the dream work through intellectual intimacy, communication and transparency. So I say we cue the intro and you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Mind of George show. (laughs) This is a Free For All Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening Groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. Welcome back to a special episode of the Mind of George Show where I have plenty of coffees, plenty of iced tea, and enough pre workout and CBD from Soul CBD flowing through my veins to get me through anything today. But I say this because today is super special. Normally, I'm doing some off the top intro of my guests, some m M&M freestyle marketing rapping about how amazing they are. But today's a little bit different because I don't have any ammunition to rap about these two because these two are the ones that feed me the ammunition, that make me a good marketer, that make me M&M and allow this continual game to grow. The business game, the marketing, the podcast, the events, the courses, our social media, our customer service, running our mastermind, doing our project management, doing our financials. And so today... You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, today I have the dream team, and so just in case you haven't figured this out yet, I'm just the duck on top of the water, and the feet running below the surface are the amazing team that I have around me. I call it our tripod. I call it, you know, I don't care what you call it. We call it the C-suite of excellence because the three of us all spread load. So today I have the amazing Jay Beckham and Tyler Atwell on the show, gents. Welcome to the show. <laughs> For thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So just so everybody knows what's really happening right now. Um, I like have two colors of crayons in my box. I'm, I'm pretty like black or white here. All the other 64 flavors that you see are all Tyler and Jay. Jay just builds airplanes for a living. Cause he's super smart like that. And then Tyler just makes everything work because he's super smart like that as well. And so I'm excited to have both of them. And so I have no idea what we're talking about today because I told them it was up to them and they're going to surprise me in a minute, but I still have to kick off the podcast with the same questions that I ask everybody else. And so I'm going to isolate both of you at the same, I'm going to isolate you separately. So Tyler gets to go first cause you're the king of improv. And just so everybody knows, Tyler's a rapper and we'll link to a song. <laughs> on Spotify.
2: George can't George can't talk about me without saying that.
0: I can't. No, I literally don't <laughs> know how. I don't know how. So, Jay, you get you you get a little bit of a briefing period to think about this one. So, Tyler, you've been in this game, IE like playing life as an entrepreneur, making music, hustling, grinding, working behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. You've launched physical products, you've been a part of physical products you've launched. Digital products, you've been a part of digital products. Like you have a gamut of experience. So when you look back at your entire entrepreneurial career, what is the biggest mistake or lesson that you've learned, and what have you taken away from it?
2: Okay, yeah, um, mine's a two-parter, and and they're kind of counterintuitive. So just kind of bear with me for a second; it's going to make sense here in a second. Okay, bearing with you. So the yeah, bear with me. Thank you. The first part is that. I I thought that some, and this is a very cliche one. I thought that somebody was going to come and save me. I thought that somebody else knew better than me. I thought that um, I could just ignore something that I didn't want to deal with and that it would somehow work itself out because somebody else would come in and take care of it. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is I kind of went in the completely opposite direction and thought that I had to do everything myself and that it was all on me and that I couldn't count on anybody for anything. And it was just completely my responsibility, everything. So what I'm learning how to do is find that balance in between it to be able to lean on the team, empower the team, support the team to take on the things that 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 they are kind of specially wired to do better than me um but then also to be able to like keep my pulse on everything and kind of understand where everything's at it's not my responsibility to do it's just my responsibility to be aware of the doing of it so that i know what's actually happening so i'm kind of playing that balancing game so it's that two-parter of i thought that i had to do everything and then the other side of it i thought that somebody was going to come save me and the things that i didn't want to do so yeah, that that balancing game.
0: I, I love it. So I got a follow-up question to that before we get into Jason. You do you both listen and edit every podcast. You knew this question was coming. I wasn't going to do it any yeah. differently. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. so Tyler, I actually think that that's a really really amazing distinction and lesson. And so my question for you would be now that you've learned that lesson that like you can't just sit back and think that it's going to handle itself or solve itself, right? But then you also can't compensate and oscillate the other direction and floor the gas pedal and expect to have results. So now going into future projects or into business, or once you have that awareness, like how do you utilize that now to set yourself up to win? Like, how do you look at that? How do you measure what you should be doing or not be doing? How do you decide if it's time for you to go or not go? Like how do you utilize that in our current business or in your future business right now?
2: Yeah. Um, It starts with communication man i mean we've got a team i know not everybody has a team uh, but what everybody has is 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 kind of resources around them and you say this all the time you know we need to take a moment to look down and see the pot of gold that's in front of us yeah or around us or or just one one ask away and so what it really starts with is first I, i had to like kind of take inventory of what do we have around us like who are the amazing people That are here on our team, what are the things that they love to do that they're really good at doing? And then having conversations with everybody, getting to know the people on our team. I mean, we have a we have a VA and I know a lot of people who hire VAs and they're just like, Oh, I just shoot an email to my VA every once in a while and then they just go do the thing. But we literally jump on a video call with our VA every week to check in. How's it going? What's your bandwidth? What are you liking? What are you loving? What are you not liking? What's keeping you stuck? What's what are you driving forward? Um, and just really staying like current state with them, showing them that we're here to support, but then also making sure that he understands this is his, to own, and this is your realm, dude. Like this is your thing. You get to build the process. You get to own the process. It doesn't really matter if you do it as long as it gets done. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like build the process so that somebody else can do it. And then you can be, you can move yourself up to be a manager of that process but it's your job to own it and make sure it gets done. Um, So just very strongly, like taking inventory of what are the resources we have around us? And that's usually people relationships and then empowering those people, communicating with them and empowering them to find out what is the job they can do better than anybody else. And what, uh, what do they need in order to do that and making sure that they understand that it's theirs. Uh, and then from there, it's just weekly communication. Like we are very clear on what our projects are. We under, we understand what our each person's role is on the team. And we understand what each person's responsible for throughout the completion of that project.
0: I love it. No, I, I absolutely love it. I think that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And so what what I heard you say, because I want to summarize this, is that basically you do an inventory of your current state. Like you realize like where you are and then what's in front of you. And then you look at that and you're like, okay, so these are the things that have to get done. And then you utilize that to basically be aware and then communicate with those around you. Like you find strengths, you lean into your community, you lean into your other team members, you find a solution and realize that like if it's not your superpower or your QBR, then you have to find a solution and protect yours. And then you communicate effectively and you empower everybody else to own it so that you're not micromanaging or being a part of it and really distracting
2: you from doing what your critical role is. A thousand percent and cool. there's no secrets in this company. Everybody no. knows what projects we're doing. The whole totally. team knows exactly what projects we're doing. Our Facebook group knows exactly what projects <laughs> we're doing. And a really important thing is whenever I realize there's something that needs to be done, I don't just jump on the grenade. Yeah. I let everybody know that hey, there's this thing that needs to be done. I'll send it in a group chat to the whole team. Yeah. I'll say it publicly in a live video in the Facebook group. Oh yeah. There's this thing that needs to be done. And inevitably, the right person jumps up and says, I got it. I'll take care of it. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to document that. I know that you've got it. I'll check back in with you in a week.
0: I I will say that that's something that that we do. Like, we live in a glass house. Like, we authentically live in a glass house. Like, there's no no secrets. Like, what you see is what you get. Like, I have people DM me. They're like, did you really – just say that? Did your team just really say it? I'm like, well, yeah, we're not going to lie to you. Like, you know, we forgot about it or we didn't do it or we missed it. Or that's a really good point. Or yeah, it's coming. Or yes, I love that idea. And we're all very open and transparent about it. But I feel like that's why our communication works so effectively. I, I really, really do. And I think it's an awesome thing. So that's an awesome question. So Jay, yeah. your turn. And you all can right. leverage any experience because you've been in this game for a long time as well. You have, you have the operational brain, like your brain, like your brain, works on solving big, big, scary challenges for me. And I'm like, oh, the world is ending. And Jay's like, no, it's not. You just have to do these three things and somehow you'll live. And the way that you – I don't even know like how to best frame this, but the way that I watch you take things that seem impossible to me and then get an awareness of them and break them down and then literally create a plan, a measurable plan to put into practice is admirable But I imagine that there's been a lot of experiences that have helped you develop that skill set. So as you look back at any of your careers or any of your skill sets, and by the way, how smart he is is when my 15-year-old daughter needs tutoring on math and advanced algebra and words I've never used before. I have her FaceTime, Jay. So. Uh, I'm outsourcing my parenting homework to my team as well because I don't know that game. I can tell my daughter how to sell her teacher on doing different homework, but I can't help her actually do the homework. So that's a different, a different game. So when you look back, Jay, you know whether it's you know operational management, whether it is what you do in your. Uh, other life, whether it's what you do in this life, whether it's what you've done with fitness or creating projects or products or things like that. When you look back, like what's been one of the biggest mistakes or lessons that you've learned and like, how do you carry that forward now? Yeah. So I think at the core of it all is not leaning into my superpower.
1: And I'll break that down a little bit more because like that was the root cause of this mistake. So my brain works like in operations, um, I have an engineering background. That's what I went to school for. And I have, I have a comment on that. Um, but my journey as an entrepreneur kind of began with an idea that I had for this product. And so without any know-how of marketing or anything like that, I just kind of went ham on designing this product, I mean, like full specs, Um, I had sourcing done, drawings done. Like you look at this thing and it's like, oh yeah, definitely like some engineer designed this thing. And so like I built it for myself primarily, but never once did I think about like, who could this product be for other than myself? So I was stuck in this like transactional versus transformational um, worldview. And so I had no idea that um i needed to serve a person right so I, I didn't know who that was so what i started to realize as, as, as i was crunching the numbers was um what would it take to actually launch this product because bootstrapping it was not going to be an option at that point it was going to take a serious bankroll to drive like the traditional marketing um you know drive track to a sign up list and then launch that on you know do a product launch. That was going to take a significant bankroll, like hundred thousand dollars plus, and so that project kind of slowly sat on the shelf and died. So, <laughs> so when I look at when I look back, if I had taken a second to just kind of step out and look down and figure out like what was the purpose, like why am I actually doing this, then I I, I probably would have saved myself a bunch of time and certainly a bunch of money, and trying to. Get this thing off the ground, Um, so it kind of just goes back to yeah, just not leaning in on my superpower, which I think is being able to zoom out and look down and see how everything kind of flows from A to Z, and just kind of making sense of like this black box, right? So that's kind of what I think is my superpower, and y'all let me know, you know, if I'm on target with that. But that that was my biggest mistake.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it. I I can't tell you what your superpower is. Only you know what your superpower is. <laughs> I, I think I think you nailed it. Like what I what I heard you saying is that there's times where you can get so enrolled or so engrossed or so consumed with something that the blinders come on and you start to miss some of the signs or some of the things that are there and sometimes you have to either pull your own ripcord to come up and take a peek or have somebody around you like a mirror or a feedback loop that can help you identify kind of what's going on or what the path is was part 1 that I heard and part 2 that I heard was making sure that if you're going to create a product or a service or a solution that you're doing it to solve a market need not doing it because you want to do it and hoping you can make it go fit into the market. That's it. Right? 100% Good. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought I heard because what was that product by the way? Because I remember you showed it to me. It was dope. What was that oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's like a it's like a beer koozie thing, but it's made out of uh, plastic versus like the standard. um, If you go out like on Amazon right now and you look at like beer koozies um, like they're insulated and they're like made out of steel and they're super heavy. Um, And the one I designed has like the same like thermal properties, but uh, and we can use like recyclable plastic. So it's actually we can actually take like plastics that are dumped in the ocean and use that to to manufacture these and have better cooling properties than what's on the market. So, I thought it was a bang on idea. And it, like I said, it was going to take like a serious bankroll, like $100,000 plus just to get this thing off the ground. So, I didn't anticipate that. And I probably, thinking
0: back now, it's like I, I probably
1: should have done the math. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well. so, like, did you ever, like, when you think about that, like, was it like, I never thought about what it would cost to launch, or you're like, oh, I kind of have an idea, but I'm going to go have a lot more fun manufacturing at first, or did you, like, really have no clue? No, like, I knew it was
1: going to be... It was going to take like some funds to do it. So I set some money aside, but had no clue that it was going to take that much. And so in the moment, I was like, man, I'm just going to go all out and build this thing. And I'm going to get it prototyped. I'm going to have um, so like the main prototype. But on top of that, I'm going to have like 15 other different prototypes. And I learned a lot from that process alone, just getting stuff prototyped. Um, and then just kind of doing like a bunch of testing on them. Uh, so things kind of started piling up in terms of like expenses, so I was like, so this means I have to launch this thing in the next six weeks, and in order for that to happen, I'm gonna have to start running ads like yesterday, and in order for that to happen, I'm gonna need to have a budget <laughs> of this much to be able to run that traffic, right? Even to Kickstarter, that, that was gonna be the goal to mm-hmm. put this thing on Kickstarter, and so it kind of just went down this um, this rabbit hole, and uh, kind of started figuring out like, whoa, okay. There is a way to do this, but it's it, it's possible whenever you have like the person in mind mm-hmm. and whenever you have like a community behind you and building that community up um, to solve that problem. But without that, sure, you can do it, but it, it, it takes a huge bankroll to get something like that off the ground.
0: Yeah, got it. No, I think that that's a really, really – I've learned that lesson, but I was always afraid to go into physical products because – like just even the the threshold or the line of demarcation to get in scared the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned a lot of the same lessons, but I've done the same thing. And and I think I've even taken for granted how much opportunity cost, time cost and money cost I lost because I would spend six months making a digital product. But I'm like, Oh, it's okay. It's not costing any money. I'm not doing manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing molds. And it's like, no, but I am recording 800 videos and video equipment and audio equipment. And like, here's the thing, like you guys know I'm in the new office, right? My team knows everything. We're really open and I'm looking and luckily my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, but I'm looking over there and I have like three microphones and two mixers I've never used because I was like, oh, I think I need them. And they're sitting over there waiting for Tyler to come audio mix and play with these things. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I have these seven camera lights. And I was like, oh, because they have to look a certain way. And I think that there's a valuable lesson underneath all of that for everybody listening, myself included, because, um, you know, it was something that I ran into even as a food blogger, right? Like here's one of the funny things about this that I think is really, really powerful for people to understand is like I learned a lot of lessons as a food blogger looking back. But one of the things when we started as food bloggers was everyone's like, post more, post more. Like this was 2010, 2011, right? Like SEO was still the wild west, like search engine ranking, search engine optimization, right? Like when you were consistent with content, it was like the wild west. Your, your recipes would go viral. You get millions of views, right? And so it got to this point where it was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I ended up making like 300 recipes in a year, year and a half and posting them all. But then when I look back, only three or four of them ever really took off and got legs. And then I got so tired near the end of that career that I didn't want to make them anymore. So instead, I took a data approach and I would look out and I'd be like, okay, what recipes did well? I'd poll the audience and I'd go look at what was trending and I would only create a recipe if like there was a need or people wanted it. And sure enough, I was able to do 10 recipes and get the same reach as I did with 250 By having a really clear understanding of the picture, the field, the market, the people, and the needs to insert a solution at that point. And so I think it's an important lesson that you unpacked, Jay, that I think, Tyler, you've probably learned as well. Having multiple physical products, having a chocolate company, and all of it, that all of us as entrepreneurs need to make sure that we have an accurate scope of the sport that we're agreeing to play and making sure like, you know, we're not putting shin pads on to go into a full contact football game in the NFL, expecting not to get our asses kicked. And yeah, so yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave that one. I think that that's a good one. So I'm going to ask Tyler a question because I'm always fascinated by your brain. And just so everybody knows, like this tripod, like these are my brothers for the rest of my life. Like we spend an absorbent amount of time together. And I, I still ask questions cause I'm, I'm still just intrigued and amazed by how amazing these two human beings are. And so Tyler, one of the things that I absolutely love and I'm amazed by with you is your your level of creativity, your level of commitment to the things that you get passionate about and your ability to always just kind of lean in and find the positive, find the flow, find the, the silver lining, create the rainbow and then like creating magic out of it from your words to the way that you make people feel. And so like when you look back at your career like when did you know that like you wanted to be like an entrepreneur that you wanted to kind of play in this game, that you wanted to kind of do what you're doing now. And then what was that journey like to get to where we ended up, which by the way, like maybe that's another podcast, how we ended up knowing each other and working together. (laughs) But like, I'd kind of love to hear like how you got into this and like how you
2: got to where you are now. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, my first, uh, I never really thought about a professional career too much. Like in my teenage years, I thought I was gonna be a professional baseball player, honestly, <laughs> either that or a rock star. It was either I was gonna be a professional baseball player or a rock star, one of the two. I couldn't figure out which one, so I just did both. Um, but one thing that I knew is that um, at the time I was living with my mom and her her husband at the time, and I didn't have a great relationship with, with her, her husband. Um, he, and, and nothing against the guy. I, I'm sure he will never listen to this podcast episode ever. But um, he he had what uh, he had a, a job uh, that was everything to him, and it, it was everything to him because he lived in this very material world. And I'm not talking down to him. I'm just talking from my perspective of what I saw from that age, from what I like what I perceived things to be. But we we had a like a big house a nice car, but the house was empty. We didn't have any furniture. We couldn't really afford food. The, the whole thing was set up to just kind of impress the neighbors. Mm-hmm. And he was so stressed all the time and just like massive, like drank all the time to deal with that, to cope because he didn't know how to cope with it. Um, and he would work just like anytime he had a chance to get overtime hours, he would go work at the factory and I was kind of raised like they were they were trying to kind of um, uh, like farm me to be the perfect factory worker one day so that I, too, could have a great life like like him. Um, But I looked at it and I just like I pitied him so much and I'm sure he's a great guy nowadays, but I pitied him so much at the time. And I was like, I don't want that, man. Like, I don't want to live a life where one, I'm so concerned about what other people think about me that I have to put my family and myself in a really tough position to impress other people and two i don't want to be so reliant upon a job to where i live in fear every single day that if i lose that job it is the end of the world and there's nothing i could do about it that's everything to me so you know that that was kind of like my first like thought of like i think that was like my first idea that i, I would try to go on a different path than what the typical thing is that people did where I grew up and what's interesting is I I, I lived through a little bit of abuse throughout my teenage years and I, I didn't know how to deal with it so I started doing like using drugs and drinking alcohol from a really young age and I got myself into a lot of trouble um, around 18 years old and I ended up having to pay a lot of um, money and fines to the legal system <laughs> in northeast Ohio and um so I was kind of forced to have to go get one of those jobs uh, to pay off those those fines. And so I started working in a, in a factory, which is exactly what I always said I would never do. Like looking at my mom's husband at the time, I always said I will never work in a factory. And then wouldn't you know it, uh, 19 years old, I had just gotten a job in a factory. And I and that that job lasted about like 20 days before I got fired for being 10 minutes late to work one day but i remember walking out of the job one day and um like i was looking around at my coworkers, and i noticed that like like all like pretty like fairly older men um whose bodies were just kind of destroyed and like they couldn't walk right like they were just kind of shuffling out of there nobody was happy nobody was joking nobody was laughing it were just, it was the end of another day. They were going to go home for another night and they were going to be right back there the next day for another day. They'd been working that job for 20 plus years. Their body is formed to the shape of the machine that they worked on. And nothing. And I sat down in my car in that parking lot that day and I just started bawling my eyes out like uncontrollably crying for maybe like an hour. Like I didn't leave the parking lot. Everybody else is gone. And I'm just sitting in my car crying because at 19 years old, I thought that my life was over. I thought that that was it. That's all I had forever. was just show up at this job that I couldn't stand tomorrow again and again and again and again until I get the golden watch. And I was like, I don't want that, man. I do not want that at all. And So I came home that night and it just so happened that maybe it was that night, maybe it was a few days later, uh, some buddies of mine uh, got our hands on some psilocybin and decided to have ourselves a night. And that morning, it was like six o'clock in the morning. I didn't sleep at all. I couldn't sleep. My brain was just wired. And I'm thinking, this is it. I'm not doing this. I have a choice it hit me i'm 19 years old i have my whole life ahead of me i'm not fucking doing this so i literally that morning packed everything in my car and i decided uh, my video froze can you hear me no yeah we got you keep going okay cool cool i decided that i wasn't going to do it i was going to take the hard path what felt like the hard path at that time and i packed everything in my car that i had which wasn't very much it all fit in my back seat and i left And I just decided I would be homeless in my car and figure it out from there. And that decision got um, I I didn't end up being homeless because literally that night, a good friend who lived like a solid hour and a half away invited me to his house. His parents heard the story. They invited me to stay in their basement. And then it turned out he was going to a broadcasting school, which at the time I thought broadcasting was music production. And I was like, this is it. This is my chance to become a rock star. So (laughs) I signed up for broadcasting school. And that's when I started learning about like video production, audio production, uh, building websites, marketing, things like that. That was my first step in it. Uh, I got a job at the radio station in Cleveland, Ohio. I was working for five of the biggest radio stations in Cleveland. Um, and I, while I was doing that, like I felt invincible. So I decided to start a chocolate company for blind people. Um, Which was really interesting. because I met a a guy who made chocolate in the area. And so we just decided to partner up. We started a chocolate company and I just started trying a whole bunch of stuff. I even got the nickname Tyler, the promoter, because all my friends were like, dude, you're always promoting something like you're always up to something weird. Like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying anything I can to not ever go work in a factory again. Um, And so basically just kind of following that path. It led me to Chicago where I started doing improv. I'm going to kind of skip over a few things because it's a long story, but I ended up in Chicago doing improv for a few years, sold out shows in front of, you know, like in front of crowds in in Chicago. Um, And it got me to meet a a business mentor of mine who had a a very famous, a very well-known podcast. I met a business mentor who invited me to come work in his office in Austin. So once again, packed up all my stuff in my car, drove across the country to Austin, wound up. Uh, I, I, I got into my apartment. My first time seeing my apartment was the day that I moved into it. Had no furniture. I slept on a hardwood floor for the next three weeks before I could uh, get a, an air mattress. And I went all in on marketing. I learned marketing with this company, with this mentor. And lo and behold, one day with that company, I was uh, told that, you know, they needed me to host a, uh, a digital course that we were doing. So I'm hosting a digital course and I'm told, Hey, today we're going to interview a guest. His name is George Bryant. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I go look up George Bryant on Facebook. The only thing I knew about this George Bryant guy is that him and his son both had Mohawks and George's was blue. I think, I think you're, I think Branson's was blue as well. And that's all I knew about him. That's all I knew about you. And mm-hmm. so we came on the call It was supposed to be an hour talk about influencers. It turned into a four-hour talk about email marketing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I like this guy. So uh, we stayed in touch. And, you know, like we stayed in touch for the next few years. And just so happens that the universe kind of puts you in alignment with the right people at the right time. And it ended up working out that we started working together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I. uh Oh my God! I every time we bring that call up, like I just laugh. Like I, I still have it. Like I open it on Dropbox every couple of months just to remind myself. But I'll never forget. Like he's like, "Yeah, we got like an hour and a half." Like, "Yeah, I'll be fine." I think my my team knows now that an hour and a half is really six or seven or nine. Because um, if you stick a quarter, you've gotten a, month, a lot better at it. I'm really yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I've practiced a lot, right? So I've diarrhea of the mouth mm-hmm. for you know literally you know, like everyone's like, oh, the 10,000 hour rule. Like I've probably talked for a hundred thousand hours. Like if that's even possible, I've probably talked that much. So I've practiced a lot, but um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, what's really funny is like leaning in, like one of the things, (laughs) what I heard underneath all of that is your relentless pursuit of your soul's alignment and your willingness to take a chance and to run at a full speed. Like That's what I heard more than anything, is that you're like, I get one life. I get one thing. And if I'm not living it, then I'm not really doing what I'm here to do. And so I'm going to follow my heart and follow my passion. I'm going to lean in. And you're like, I'm going to take a chance. And I'm going to go all the way. And every time you've done that, it's led to something positive, something beneficial. And it's gotten us here. Because the same thing happened. I posted in my Facebook group that you were in. And I was like, I need somebody's help, like... Summarizing this, and I was expecting like a page, and you sent me like 20 pages. I'm like, Do you want to come to my event in a couple of weeks? I'll pay for your travel, your flight. And you walked in, and I was like, Do you never want to leave? And you're like, Okay. <laughs> and then that's how we got here. That's literally totally. how we got here. And like, just so everybody knows, like, we don't have labels. Like, uh, you know, like, you could say, like, all of us are CEO, CMO, COO, but like, the three of us. And we have an amazing team as well, like Richard and Ider and and everybody that plays with us. But, like, the three of us, like, we communicate every day. We all jump in and support each other. We all say yes to each other, but we also say no to each other. And we keep each other in our lanes and in our strengths. And it's like... It's like, you know, Captain Planet would be the cheesiest metaphor that I could go. Uh, you know, I don't know who's earth, wind and fire, but that's basically what we bring to the table. And so, Tyler, just thank you for your willingness to always jump in and play. I mean, it's, it's really honorable and you inspire me every day to say yes. And it's funny because the amount of parallels on how we got here, like my first day in Montana was the day that I moved here. Like I've never been to Montana until the day we drove over the border because I said yes to my family. You know, and like, and I feel like I've started to play that game because of you and the example that you lead. So, thank you for playing that game, it, like wholeheartedly.
2: Thank, thank you for saying that, brother. And I, I think that anybody listening to this, I just think that it's so important to really tune into what your gut's telling you. Mm. I think that the most trouble I've gotten myself in my life has been whenever my gut was telling me something and I wasn't listening to it, and I was just trying to force something else, mm-hmm. and it would always oh, yeah. that would all end poorly. But whenever. I would just listen to my gut and follow it. And this go I mean, I hear this from so many people. Like I was just talking to Mark from our mastermind the other day about this too. And he was telling me about following like his recent decisions with following his gut, which he can share his own story. But dude, like, even if you don't know that path, you don't know where that path's going to take you. It could leave you, it could leave you sleeping in your car for a couple of weeks or sleeping on a hardwood floor for a couple weeks, but usually it doesn't. Usually it just feels like it's going to be really bad like that. But just follow your gut. The path will lay itself out in front of you. All you need to know is just the next step you're going to take and where you ultimately want to go. Yeah. And the path mm-hmm. almost always lays itself out for you. And you always end, almost always end up somewhere better than where you were before.
0: Yeah, we've had this conversation, the three of us, with like our mastermind and everything else. But like I've said this before, and I don't think we've really ever unpacked it a ton. But it's like what you're really saying is like, Everybody listening to this, all of us, like we're entrepreneurial. Like we might work on a team together. We might build something together. But like Alex says, like we go out into the future. We see what we want it to look like. We come back into the present and we start building it. And, and what you're really saying is like as an entrepreneur, like there's no path for us to follow. Like in our company with what we're doing together, someone's not like do this, do this, do this because there's never been this company. And so we have to be willing to cross that line of demarcation every day with faith and With resiliency, with tenacity, with confidence, knowing that, like, that's the best option because the other thing is, like, we stay stagnant, right? And, like, sure, like, you can go to a 9 to 5, you can punch a clock, you can have a very clear escalation path, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in this world, every result – and this is going to go full circle for you, Tyler – every result that comes – is from our ability to literally follow it all the way through and stay aligned to our soul and create it to be true and like go and go and go, which you've had that kind of wrapped up into everything that you've shared today of like, you're like, I'm in alignment. I'm going to go do this. Like I have to follow my heart. Like nobody else is going to save me. Like I'm responsible to take an action and that's, what's going to come up over and over. And, and it's funny too, because what you said and Jay, I'm going to ask you a question in a minute, but what you said was, you know, like never when you followed your gut, right? Like when you felt an alignment, has it really ever not worked out? And it's funny because I go back to like the military and marksmanship. And one of the, one of the things when we teach marksmanship, um, is you can tell when you're on target, when you close your eyes, take a breath and open it. And you're in the same spot than when you closed it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when we get into long range shooting, we can do it with our eyes closed because we get our body, we get our, our sight alignment, our sight picture, our breath control, our, our structure, our everything. And we're literally able to close our eyes to follow what it is that we've done. And that's what you're talking about. When you feel off, you're like, oh, it doesn't feel good. You can't force it. And every time you try to force it, you lose. And it's so many parallels there. So, Jay, how did you find our crazy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how did I think, you guys? No, it's actually to kind of just iterate what you said, um, step back a little bit. So, I have this like unique perspective where right now I am in both worlds. Like, I see the corporate side, and then I'm also like over here um, building out something that's never been built before. And the parallels are nothing alike. I mean, you can, I can transplant like the information that I've, that, that's helped me in the corporate world, and I can apply it to, to business. Um, but just the fundamentals of it all, like in the corporate side, like there is a path, like there is on a sheet of paper, you can point to it, if I'm here for so long, then by this amount of time, I should be at this level and have this title. Like we have an actual piece of paper that has all that laid out. Um, but from the entrepreneur's side, that doesn't exist. Mm. There's no way Realistically, you can even project out five years and say, okay, in five years, um, this is exactly where I'm going to be at because one of the the beauties is like we don't know and we get to make it up along the way. And so that's what drew me and still draws me to to this side um, of the world because there is a little bit of unknown, but I think the reward kind of outweighs everything else. So one of the things I had to be okay with was just surrendering and just trusting my gut, like you said, Tyler, that the path will unfold. And every time I haven't listened to that, it's never played out. And uh, sitting here today, it's like, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know that with these two awesome men, like it, it, it doesn't matter. Like the path will unfold. And um, so kind of going back to how I met uh, both of you guys is, George, I think you were featured on someone's podcast. And up until that point, um, the marketing that was out there, I never resonated with. It was so transactional. It was so uh, push versus pull. Uh, So scarcity-based, and my heart never resonated with that. And uh, it was a huge deal why that project I talked about at the beginning of the show kind of just sat still because I didn't feel good about just shoving this thing down someone's throat. But then you came on this podcast, and you completely just rewrote what I thought marketing was supposed to be. And so at the very end of uh, of that podcast interview, you said to email me. I respond to every email, so I was like, "Really? Okay." So I emailed you, <laughs> and sure enough, like a day or two later, you responded back, and I was like, "Damn, this dude is for real! Like he's he's the real thing." And so I just kind of went on a binge of all the George stuff that was out on on YouTube and uh, on, and I found your Facebook group, and uh, I think we just started reaching out. Uh, I was just DMing you, and you would reply back. I was like, "What the hell? Like, is this guy real?" <laughs> <laughs> And so the more you spoke, like the more what you said, like actually resonated with my heart and I knew then that there was a better way to do marketing and it was uh, exactly what, what you teach uh, all the entrepreneurs now? And I think over the last like year and a half, we just kind of communicated back and forth. Um, that's how I met Tyler from the Facebook group and, um, a couple of months ago, um, you asked if I wanted a part of this. And, of course, I said, yes, let's build something together. And so here I am.
0: Yeah, I I, um, I got to say, like, there's lessons in that for me as well, because, you know, Tyler, you alluded to this earlier. And, and I think it's really important that I'm really open about all of this. Um, and Tyler alluded earlier to the, the pot of gold at the bottom of my feet. Right. And I've been in this game for I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years now, probably 11 years. And it's always felt like a struggle, but it's always felt like a struggle because I always thought I had to do it myself. I was afraid to ask for help or I was afraid to identify my current state to realize what I should be doing or spending time on and I still struggle with that today. Like I still, it's something that comes up for me today, which for everybody listening, which is why every morning Tyler sends me a message and says, this is what I need you to do today. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Now I have my measuring stick. I know what sport I'm playing. And I'm the I'm the athlete, like I'm go perform, like go be the face and do it all. But um, you know, it was with Jay, Jay, what ended up happening is like, you showed up more consistently in the community than I showed up as the creator of the community. And you were there. And then I was like, is your wife okay with this? Like, are, is Courtney okay that I talked to you this much? Like that you're here and like you guys were both. I remember it was fitness stuff at the time. And then I looked at it and Tyler and I, basically Tyler came on and we were just like, kind of like imploding because we were both doing too much and everything, not in our skill set, not in our strength. And I don't think either of us were seeing the pot of gold that was right in front of us. And you were literally like standing there, like screaming at the window, like, will you just please let me in? But it was like soundproof glass and we wouldn't look up. And then finally, I was like, I just got to ask. I got to ask. And I was like, what's the worst thing that happens? He says, no, you're crazy. You're full of shit. Like, what are you talking about? And then you said yes. And I, and I will say that one of the biggest pivotal moments for me in this entire game um, is like when I look at myself as an entrepreneur, I struggle with comparison all the time because I have friends that – like, I'm friends with everybody. I'm like, they have business backgrounds and degrees, and they're good CEOs. And I'm like, guys, I'm a shit show. Like, I don't know how to do all that. Like, what is that? Like, where did you come up with that number? How did you know to do that? I'm like – I'm just running like really, really fast. And I looked at Jay and I looked at both of you and I was like, this is what I struggle with. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what comes up. Um, this is going to come up often. I might send you a message crying. I might tell you my life is over. I'll ask you when to respond and not respond. And then you're, Jay's like, okay. And I was like, what? Like you just accept me for me? Like y- there's no tallies here. There's no scorecards here. And I'm saying this because I think for everybody listening, what my takeaway would be is that you want to be around people that see you as a person, not as a skill set. You want to be around people that see you as who you are as a human, not what you're able to do. And you both, and I'm going to cry, see me for me, whatever that is that day. Whether it's the guy who's super confident and I'm going to provide for my family. Or it's like, guys, I feel the weight of the world and I don't know how to save that company. Or I'm in my way and struggling with this and like I think that that's more important than everything. And the way that we all communicate, I feel like, is the secret. And it's a long game. Like, building something the right way takes a long time. Building a team and cohesiveness and finding the plays and making sure every teammate is recovered and cared for and nutritioned and, you know, stretched and, you know, proactively done. And and all of those things takes time. And I feel like one of the reasons we are where we are today is because we're really open with each other. Like communication is like a non-negotiable, like the culture that we have, and I say this so everybody has it, like there's nothing that you both don't know and there's nothing that I don't know. Like um, you guys know the numbers better than me. You know what everybody's paid, what they're not, what I make, what I don't, what I waste, what I don't, what works, what doesn't. And sometimes better than I do And I feel like it's managed, but everything is wide open. Our feelings, our fears, our our stressors, our life, our relationships, our kids. Like I tell Jay, I'm like, I see Courtney every day. I was like, and I actually feel like your wife holds me more accountable than you do because I'm on social and she's responding to everything. I'm like, if I don't post, Mm -hmm. she's going to DM me. And then she's going to (laughs) get mad at me because I'm not posting. So then Jay's not getting to do work. And I'm like, oh man. I love it, but it, yeah. it really, it really, really is um, this cohesive piece. I want to ask you both the same question, and I think it's a really good perspective. Is the three of us really run this? And we run a lot. Like we have an active mastermind. We're launching a new offer this week. We have a public event. We have a mastermind event. We do consulting. We produce a podcast. We have a Facebook group. Like. I don't know everything that we do, but we do a lot of it. And so I'd love to hear from each of you, like, what do you guys think is the secret to good team and good efficiency as a team for people listening, whether they have one or don't. And I'll let either of you decide who goes first.
1: Okay. Um, okay. I'll go real quick, man. Um, yeah. So I think for me, like take into account everything. I think what is key to, how we show up in our success is really knowing when to push each other and then when to just let each other go. So like, w- what I mean by that is like, there's times where we each have to like go run the race. You, George, you talk about this all the time, right? And so what the other two of us do is like, we take like the, the coach, like the supporting role and we empower that person to go run the race. And we make sure that they're hydrated, right? that, they fit, that they've they slept well, and that they're ready to run the race at the best ability that they can. And it's like a tag team, uh, like a 4 by 4 essentially. So I think we know when um, we have to support each other, when it's time to go sprint full on, uh, do a full on sprint versus when we know it's a marathon so right now like we're in full sprint mode right and so we're supporting each other to to support a sprint but i think business is a marathon and so we know when we got to pull back a little bit and support each other and communication has to be like the the secret sauce behind all this um wherever that happens slack dms it, it doesn't really matter like it's just that open constant flow of communication that is the key, and just knowing when to support each other and when to let us, let us, you know, let us grow, and kind of, kind of just being that supportive
0: structure. So what you're really saying is knowing when to let me smash my face and not interject, because there's times yeah. that I need to actually smash my face to learn a lesson. Yeah, yeah, I probably smash my face ten times more than both of you. At least that's what it feels <laughs> like. I feel like I feel like you two sit back there like the Michael Jackson mem with the popcorn. Right. Like getting ready to watch the show. And you're like, oh, here he goes again. He's got an idea. He's going crazy. We're like, let's see how bad this one hurts. And uh, but I appreciate that, though. I, I really, really appreciate that, though, because, you know, what I heard you say is that we all have to be aware of our strengths and our abilities, but we also have to be aware of our team's abilities and we have to have what my buddy Larry Hagner calls is tactical empathy. We have to be able to see it and know in that moment, like, hey, is this ours? Is that theirs? Which only comes from building team and building unity. And so I, I love that. So Tyler, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Jay, Jay, you really nailed it, man. Like that was that was really well said. Um, not that I'm surprised, but that that was really well said. Um, building, building on that... Transparency plays a really big part in this as well. And just being able to, you mentioned communication uh, and then and communication is everything. And within communication, transparency has to be there. We have to know where we're at each of us, like what's our bandwidth, what's our emotional state, what's our, uh, are we good to go run another lap? Are we good to, uh, do we need to like sit for a second, catch our breath? Do we need support? Like we're just very open with each other. We don't we don't sugarcoat things. If we're having a shit day, we know everybody knows. Hey, I'm having a shit day. I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. The world is on fire. I need somebody to just fucking listen to me for a second, right? And then and then the other two come in and they're just like, Okay, okay, cool. Megan, you need to go sit with that. Yeah. We've got this. Nope. Don't touch it. Sit yep. with that. You'll be fine. <laughs> And then come back to us when you're ready. <laughs> and so it's super important, yeah, just to be super transparent. Like you can't hide, hide things from each other. We're family, you know, like a team is your family. Your team is your, the people going to war with you every day. Mm-hmm. And you can't step onto a battlefield with a broken leg. You have to let your team step in and support you. And, I, and me, I'm talking to myself. I'm speaking to Tyler right now. <laughs> Like let your team come in and support you when it's needed and then be willing to step in and support your team in a moment's notice whenever they need it, because they'll do the same for you in a moment. Mm-hmm. That's so important to me. And, and one more thing that's really important is when your team is as close as our team is, like we're, we're, we're teammates professionally, we're family, we're blood brothers, mm-hmm. we're friends. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different hats that we wear with each other we're mentors to each other. We're coaches to each other. We all wear a lot of different hats. And I think it's like one thing that we do really well is we kind of pre frame a conversation and we'll literally say like, Hey, take the work hat off for a second and put on the friend hat. I just need somebody to listen to I don't need you to say anything. Can you just listen to me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. Work hats yep. off. Here comes the friend hat. The friend hat looks a little cooler. And, uh, We listen to each other, you know, and and we're able to adapt to it and we're able to put something off to the side to be there for our friend. We're able to put something off to the side to be there for our brother. And then once we once we tackle that and and we've dealt with it and we've sat with it and we have felt it and we've got awareness, then it's like, okay, so what do we need to do now? What's that next step we can take to put us back on the path or to continue down the path that we never even stepped off of?
0: Yeah. I think, um, I, I absolutely love that. And the one thing that I want to add that I hear in all of that is also none of us measure our value in the relationship with each other based on the results that we produce. We measure it based on the person that's giving the input into the result. Like we don't care. Like I I can't tell you the amount of times where they're like, George, we need this. I'm like, I'll get it done. I'll get it done at the end of the guys. I, I just, I literally couldn't do it. And they're not like, Oh, you're fired. You suck. You're horrible. Or, you know, same thing with Tyler, like having expectations, but then the moment he's like, I just didn't, we're like, okay, cool, what now? And like, we go to the teammate, not to the result of the play. And I feel yeah. like, you know, I have this really interesting perspective with our team, but then me also going into other companies and being with their teams and seeing how teams are done on the other side. And I feel like a lot of what happens in companies, what gets in the way of a team's success is the fear of the hammer. Right, Like if I don't do it right or if it's missed or that pressure, it pulls them out of their actual superpower because what if they don't get it done? Well, then are they going to lose their job? Are they going to lose their money? They're going to do whatever. And we basically, you know, the three musketeers over here are like, hey, as long as you show up like and you're open and transparent and we practice intellectual intimacy is what I'm going to call it, intellectual intimacy with each other, then... We're good. Like there's no like, oh, if it works or doesn't work, you're out. Or if you do this or do this, like if we're open with each other, if we're honest with each other and we all self-manage but hold each other accountable, like we can recreate any result. We can come together as a team. We can pick up the play, run defense, get the ball back and go do it again. But we can never do that if we're keeping tally or judging each other on the plays on this marathon, right? Like I tripped, great. Hey, we lost that round, but let's go again and let's go again. And I think that's something that we all do. Um, I feel like you guys do it more with me than I have to do it with you, <laughs> because I I feel like I feel like I like oscillate. To extremes more than any human being, as I still heal and do work and, and do all of this. But I also feel like that's a part of this game and understanding each other's strengths and how we play on the field and like what we do.
2: And so, yeah, totally. I absolutely to build, on, to build on that really quick. Um, I, there's so many things in my life that I handle so much better because you go through it just like a few steps before I do. Like, <laughs> I'll get a message from you and you'll be like, dude, I'm going through this thing, I'm dealing with it, don't worry. And then like the next day, you'll be like, oh, here's what I did. I'm feeling better now. And then magically, like a week later, that same thing presents itself in my life. And I'm like, well, what did yeah. George do? Oh, yeah. And I do that. And you saved me so much shit in my life because you just for some reason go through it like this a few steps before it presents itself in my life. And it's great. So thank you for that. Yeah.
1: I have to second that too, man. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Like, so I'm the youngest of three. And so my brother and sister, they're both 10, 11 years older than me. And so like, (laughs) a lot of the lessons I've learned is just like through watching them. And it's like, and it's like, you know, whenever they tripped or whatever, got into trouble, it's like, maybe I shouldn't do that thing. But, or on the opposite side, it's like, oh that really worked out well for them maybe there's something to that and so so george you're like my brother dude you're you're like legit my older brother like i look at you he's like okay what would george do like that's a legit question it's like what would george do what would what would he say right now uh he'd probably say shut up and go sit with it
0: okay (laughs) cool (laughs) all right i'm gonna do that (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, because I just tell you both what I get told to me or I need to hear. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I will say I do, for whatever reason, possess this, this capacity to push and to find the edge and then to hold the edge. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll own that I don't give myself credit enough sometimes. I've had some extreme stuff happen in my life, and this came up on a coaching call with one of my teachers last night. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we all get to where we are because we push each other and we pull each other and we lead each other to our edge. And then what we find is how to refine that edge, right? And it's harmony, with that edge. And, and as all of us grow, because both of you push me to the edge, like Jay, you push me to be a better father and Tyler, you push me to be a better husband. And Jay, you push me to measure and slow down more. And Tyler, you pull out a creative side of me and allow myself to express myself authentically rather than putting it in a container because of how people will view it. Right? Like Mm -hmm. there's parts of it that all of us are here. And I think that that's really, really important because, and I'm going to get emotional again, And I got to give the queen credit, Lindsay, um, my wife, because one thing she said to me a long time ago is like, hey, when somebody shows you who they are the first time, believe them. And not from a bad place or a wrong place, but from an honorable of self place. And what I love about us is that none of us got into this together of like, hey, Tyler, this is your skill set. Like I'm bringing you in for this or Jay, I need you to do this. It was like, hey, I like you as people. Can we figure out how to do this? And what we focused on in building this team was that we were aligned as people. Like, literally, the rule is, like, would we live with each other or have dinner with each other every night for the rest of our life? And, like, for those wondering, Tyler has lived with me and my family. (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally, the world locked down. I'm like, Tyler, you're coming with us. Uh, Yeah, come with us. And, you know, like, we learn a lot. But, like, the willingness to be able to go in to life with your team regardless of whether they're VAs or contractors or agencies, but like the willingness to relate to that team. Like I can't find one successful company whose culture is toxic or, you know, it's like cause team members don't like each other or there's nepotism or undercutting or anything like it really comes down to the human side of it. And what you both have done so powerfully is like led by example the mission statement that I thought I could teach and I thought we could change the world with and you guys have actually refined it by being those human beings that literally prioritize relationships over everything prioritize the human the acceptance the empathy the gratitude the compassion that gets poured into everything we do in the world which keeps me accountable when I'm like oh well that didn't work or how are we going to pay bills and I'm like it doesn't matter what matters is how people feel right? Like, we'll find it. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. Like, as long as we we protect those values over everything, there's no way to lose this game. And Jay's like, well, yeah, George, when you cut down your expenses, you really need seven <laughs> cups of coffee a day. And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. Today I did. <laughs> and he's like, great. Well, get it off the books because we could have used that to run an ad. Or I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks, right? And But finding that. And so I just want to thank both of you for that because I think it's, it's huge. And, and like this even conversation has really given me perspective at like what we do so well to be able to do this and where we grow and hold each other accountable. And, and, and for those of you listening to this, like I'm going to say right now, like this thing has more like subconscious undertoes of team culture and leadership for any other thing that we've ever talked about. Like this thing is loaded with the blueprint and the playbook to like guarantee success as a team. And you can also implore these same thoughts and principles to your customers as well. Because one of the things I want to give both of you credit for too is that how we've talked on this call is how both of you make our customers feel as well. Like this is how you talk and relate to our mastermind members, to our consulting clients, to people, whether they give us their email, subscribe to the podcast or spend $25,000. It doesn't matter. You both treat every single person in our world the same whether it's a VA, whether it's an agency, whether it's an email, getting on a free call, getting a DM, like both of you body, like I'll use M&M for Tyler here and myself, but like you literally body what it means to have deep, committed, connected relationships with every single person agnostic of how they get into our world. And so I just wanted to honor both of you for that. So I'm going to do some speed rounds because I want to hear this from both of you for everybody and i'm gonna do this because there's three of us so jay what do you think tyler's favorite food is tyler oh man that's a good one That's a good one uh i'm gonna go with mexican food
1: but specifically (laughs) uh, let's one of two things uh tamales actually one of three tamales the tacos or what's another one man i don't know
0: I'm gonna
1: so go on, with tamales. That's, that's mine. Come on. <laughs> okay, Tyler, what's your favorite food?
2: Jay, yes. Yes. And uh chiliquiles. I love chiliquiles. Uh, not yeah. very, not very nutritious, but yeah, I love it. And then pizza as well. I can eat any kind of pizza.
0: I was gonna I say remember. it's p- I know I knew it was pizza because I lived with him for a while, but I wanna so <laughs> Tyler, what do you think Jay's favorite food is?
2: Well, he just said tamales. Oh, so, he said his own. Yeah. yeah, Jay Jay spilled the beans already.
0: What kind of yeah. tamales, Jay?
1: Oh, homemade only, dude.
0: Like my yeah, my but like what makes, goes like, in B-bomb. them?
1: Pork and uh, yeah, I think which pork. one?
0: Because you can have cheese, you can have sweet, you can have savory.
1: George knows his tamales. <laughs> uh, I like just traditional pork, um, not sweet,
0: just like a red sauce cool. mixed in there. Yeah. I was going to say the problem that I've had with tamales uh, is that I get really offended when the ratio of filling to masa is off and I yeah. want yep. an equivalent. So like Zenaida, uh, who was our house cleaner, her husband worked at the ranch, my wife, like every holiday would show up at our house at like 6 a.m. with like 100 homemade tamales. And she was up <laughs> all night, like traditional Mexican tamales and everything. And I was like, can I make a request, Can you overstuff these for me? And then she started nailing it. And I was like, in heaven, I can't eat any other tamales now because it's never right. <laughs> yep. Because the ratio matters. The to, ratio yeah. matters when it comes to tamales. The yeah. There's a the golden
1: ratio of tamales filling to. So to, I so. want to
0: ask both of you, what do you guys think my favorite food is?
2: Jay, you go first.
1: I'm going to go with uh, chocolate chip pancakes. Tyler.
2: Yeah. Chocolate chip pancakes is the obvious answer. Um, something that goes with a nice wine i mean obviously obviously you love pizza i know you love pizza but that's an easy answer my, as fat,
0: well. my fat kid loves pizza but like my soul doesn't love <laughs> yeah. pizza
2: uh-huh yeah you're, you're
0: getting Dude, close you with me. the red wine you're getting close
2: yeah right yeah it's like a like a porterhouse steak or like some mm, something so, so close so close yeah right chocolate chip
0: pancakes and a bone-in ribeye
2: Bone-in ribeye. bone-in
0: ribeye. Chocolate chip pancakes and bone-in ribeye with a good bottle of Cab. Cab Sav, currently Double Back from Drew Bledsoe, is my number one bottle.
1: Oh. Okay. Yep.
0: Okay. yep. yep. One. And they both know what I drink. And so Silver Oak's still up there. Camus's K-mis, uh, son has another winery that I was just introduced to in Arizona – and has basically the same cab and a different bottle with a different label for one-third of the price. And it tastes just as amazing. And so, one there. Okay. <laughs> what are you currently reading, Jay? I am
1: currently rereading Breakthrough Advertising Ooh. by Eugene Schwartz. Uh, just the first three chapters. First three chapters. Um, I'm just kind of poring over that because that book... Just goes way above copy. It, it is really about knowing your marketing and, and knowing um, who who your audience is and how to tap in to uh, pre-existing market. Yep. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of gold that I missed, like the first, even the second time going through that book. So that's one I just kind of have out on my um, on my bedside or just kind of out and about. So mm-hmm. that's currently what I'm rereading. Tyler,
2: I just finished rereading uh, the Little Book of Clarity, James Smart. Yep. Mart. yep. Um, and the one I'm going to be starting tonight is Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. By, by Kamal you know, Ravikant. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yep.
0: That is an amazing, amazing book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also,
2: so, I'm so excited.
0: So I am in the middle of, for the first time ever, not really a book about business or marketing. I am obsessed with Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. And so it's Matthew McConaughey's new book. And he orates it himself. And I am a fanboy because of his oration and his stories. But, like, I can't even – can you imagine being an exchange student moving to Australia and ending up with a family that literally was weird and culty and wouldn't let you leave but then, like, thriving through it? Like, he's been through some crazy stuff Mm -hmm. and, like, so much respect. I'm going to get him on the podcast. We have a connection now. so. um... But that's the book I'm currently reading, and I'm obsessed with it. I've listened to it. I've actually started it over a few times because it's comical and it's humorous, which I need to be entertained, but the lessons are mind-blowing. And like even one of them, he talks about delayed gratification and and how it's such a powerful thing because in order for an actor to be successful, they have to ship the project and go record three or four more before they ever potentially get nominated for an Emmy or for an award. And so it, it creates this really healthy respect and self-gratification for the work that's put in, not the result of the work. And it's a lesson he teaches his children that I've heard him about. And so it it has some really deep undertones from like leadership and self-leadership for me that like I'm absolutely obsessed with. So I'm going to close with this because we've been going, we'll do plenty more. This is an amazing team conversation and and I I feel like we should do more of these. And so I'm going to, Tyler, I'm going to have you go first. So Everybody listening to this has had an hour and five minutes of our fun, our team, our culture, our everything. But if all they did was remember this section, what would you leave them with that you could tattoo on their soul? Like if you could have somebody take anything away from this and permanently tattoo it on their soul to remember to carry forward with them in life and business and anything, what would your tattoo of wisdom be? Hmm.
2: Good question. Um, these kind of questions always feel like so much pressure to me because I'm like oh man, it's got to be perfect for everybody um, and it doesn't and so that's the thing right there, Like it's not about being perfect it's just about showing up and playing the game and, and that goes for everything in your life, that goes beyond business, like your relationships your self-care the work you do, whatever it is the hobbies that you're practicing, whatever it is it's not about being perfect, it's just show up and play the game, yep. you'll get better
0: <laughs> Got it. The tattoo is show up and play the game. I love it. Jay, what would you tattoo on people's soul? I would have to go with
1: trust your gut and prioritize relationships with self, with your team and your customers. Because if you know those three things, uh, family, obviously family included in there. But if you, if you really focus and go all in on just that, I think that, uh, the path will unfold beneath you. Um, and yeah, just trusting in your gut.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, this is probably, nope. this was the funnest interview that I have done on our podcast. Like I literally have hundreds of questions in my brain for my own team on like what to unpack from this. So I'm going to leave it here. They're going to go edit this and then they're going to listen to their own voices and then we're going to get this up for you. So team guys, uh, thank you for being the three musketeers, the captain planet, some analogy that we'll come up with, tending to the light, being the light keepers, helping and believing in me and my vision enough to allow my craziness to come out and helping utilize that and point that in a direction that aligns with what I want in this world and helping bring out the best of me so we can do what's important and create a legacy for our kids your kids our families and actually make a difference and so from the bottom of my heart thank you uh, for everybody listening we got to celebrate this one it was that good and i'll even give them a round of applause um i'm just gonna end this episode because there's no better way to do it so this was another episode of The Mind of George. So. so we will be back in the next episode. We have some news coming up. We'll be running a survey episode because we need your feedback, like I've told you a few times before. If you are listening to this before the end of April of 2021, if your ass doesn't get to Montana, then we're going to have an issue. And if you're listening to it after, you might want to go find the details of when we're going to hug and high five in person because you don't want to miss that either. So this was another episode of The Mind of George. So remember, I will see you in the next episode. You will hear me in your earballs relationships will always be algorithms, and now it's time to cue that amazing outro. Let's go. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television.